Good afternoon, Grace Gospel Church. I'm Pastor Troy Sergi, and we are here with our, I guess, first part series of, of a seven-part series here of uh, church, the seven churches of Revelation here, and uh, we're joined here by uh, Grace Gospel Church board member uh, Jeff Price. Jeff, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, looking forward to going through the churches here. It's a little bit more depth. Yes, absolutely. So if you were at church this past uh, couple weeks, uh, Jeff has done a two-part sermon series for us, looking at the seven churches and going in detail of what the uh, importance that they have in, in God's end times redemptive plan and, uh, you know, what things have to happen and what things have already happened in church history leading up to the rapture, of course, and uh, looking at uh, a lot today with the Church of Ephesus, the Apostolic Church, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about why that's important of uh, studying and uh, what we can learn from that church today. So, uh, Jeff, you know, the Church of Ephesus here, what what does the Church of Ephesus represent? What is what is some of the historical meaning behind that word Ephesus? And uh, what can just briefly, what can uh, what can we get started with today with Ephesus? Well, I think uh, first, Pastor, I'd like to talk a little bit about the seven elements of each of the of the seven churches. And yeah. and um, if you were with us in the in the uh, church service the last couple of weeks, we're we're not going to go through all of the patterns of seven, but there are a lot of patterns of seven, a sevenfold pattern. Uh, and we believe, or I believe certainly that the, these seven churches represent the seven different ages of the uh, church age, which uh, um, we showed, uh, I showed at least some, you know, I think some evidence in the Bible that uh, the church age is gonna last somewhere around 2000 years and that Christ is going to come back on the third day, or, you know, we, we think about, um, you know, a day being for the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years being as a day. And, and so, um, you know, it, it seems logical that the Lord is going to come back on the third day. Now, you know, that's a thousand year time period. Um, you know, the Bible also says not to set dates, but, um, but we need, do need to know that, the day we won't know the day or the hour, but we do need to know the seasons. Um, anyway, I'm getting I'm digressing. Let's get let's get started on the seven elements. So each church has a meaning. Okay, the name of the we'll look at the name of the church. We'll look at the revelation of of Christ because each church uh, uh, a different aspect of Christ is revealed to each church, and I think that's relevant to to the message that's given. That we'll look at what's good and what's bad. A uh, little bit of an encouragement, exhortation, the promise, uh, and the reward, and or I guess the reward, it can be good or bad, um, depending upon the behavior of the church. And then lastly, uh, he always gives us the, the command here. So um, there's also four applications of, of each message. There's a local application to, in this case, the Church of Ephesus. Uh, there's a general application to churches uh, who fit the, the elements of this particular church. And I think that every church fits into one of these categories, sometimes uh, not nice and neat, but they and they may go back and forth among the churches. And then there's a personal application, the same with uh, uh, people who are in the body of Christ go back and forth. Uh, um, and and uh, each one of these churches will describe them. But 
we really want to focus on the fourth application, and that's the prophetic application, mm-hmm. and look how each of these uh, churches um, fit a period of time. And if they were in any other order, they would not fit nicely into the um, into the historical pattern which makes up the church. And of course, this was prophecy when it was written. It's history uh, today. Absolutely. And I think when looking at uh, Revelation chapter two and seeing how the churches are laid out in that chapter, I think that's what, you know, I think it's it's very incredible of looking at, you know, the importance of having it be in a historical order, because like you said, if there's any other way, it wouldn't make sense as far as order. But when we look at the order uh, of church history and we look at the different churches and different people groups, a part of those churches that have risen up, uh, the whole Revelation 2, uh, you know, outline there of the churches, it just, it makes sense. It makes sense. And it really gives a light uh, and, and lets the scriptures come alive, I think. Uh, so I, I really appreciate appreciate that, Jeff. And I think when moving on to our, our first point here of, of the church of Ephesus, you know, I know that it's definitely established by the Greeks, right? And they were very much thriving under yes. the, the Roman Empire. And, and Jeff, if you go to that region of the world today, do you see, can you find Ephesus? Can you visit Ephesus today? Well, I've never been there. It's on my <laughs> bucket list, uh, Pastor. I would love to take a trip. And you know, you and I have talked about that on a couple of different occasions. Uh, it hasn't been possible for me to go uh, to date, but... Yes, the, the bottom line is uh, there, there, there are ruins there. There, um, there is not a, a town necessarily uh, by the name of Ephesus there, but there are, uh, the way I understand it, there are ruins. I, certainly you can visit it on the internet. Um, you can look at some of these, uh, the ruins of Rome and, and some great, um, you know, they had some great buildings there. Uh, in fact, this was a really a cosmopolitan area. Uh, one of the largest cities in, in the region. It was a thriving economic center, probably uh, had in excess of 250,000 people living there at the time that this letter was written in the first century uh, by the Apostle John. Very diverse, again, rich trade center had uh, one of the greatest uh, marketplaces in all of the ancient world. So this was sort of the shopping center of shopping centers. It was called the Agora. And um, there were actually 14 14 different temples to uh, worship in, uh, different gods and goddesses, uh, most of them pagan god and goddesses. Um, And uh, among those was the temple of uh, Artemis, uh, you might know her also as Diana, uh, the goddess of fertility, and you can imagine what kind of um, activity would go on at that temple. Uh, certainly, open sexual acts, and yeah. and um, they they even had um, a day in the year that they would celebrate and march down to that temple and have a great uh, yeah great festival. I guess, uh, involving uh, all kinds of sexual activity. Um, and and that's, the, that's the world in which the uh, Ephesians um, were living. And um, so it was very difficult for them uh, in this. Uh, you can imagine living in New York City mm-hmm. um, or, or someplace like that and, and trying to spread uh, the gospel of the grace of God in that type of 
of atmosphere. Um, uh, Emperor worship was also uh, very prevalent. Domitian was one of the was one of the um, first to be really worshipped, and it was this was the first one of the first places to call the emperor uh, a god. And uh, they built a they actually built a statue and a temple to Domitian. So if you couldn't find a god or goddess to worship, you could always worship the emperor. Absolutely. And I think that name Ephesus, that means desirable, right? Something that's desirable. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, let's look at the churches here. You know, we talked a little bit about the culture that was around, you know, Ephesus at this time. So what did the believers in Ephesus uh, hold that was good that we can learn from and that we can practice in our faith? What were some of the good things, Jeff, that you've looked at with your study of Ephesus uh, as far as, you know, the early apostles and things that they lived out with their faith that uh, were good and honoring to the Lord? Yeah, I mean, uh, Paul goes, or excuse me, Apostle John goes through a whole list of of these. Um, they, they include, you know, good deeds, uh, hard work, perseverance. Um, this church uh, could could spot a uh, a false prophet uh, a mile away, it seems, um, and they tested uh, prophets or anybody who came into their, their church or, or proclaimed the name of Jesus, they tested them pastor. And they made sure that they, uh, that that person was speaking, uh, the truth that had been revealed to them. Of course, you think of the pastors that they've had, they had the Mm -hmm. apostle Paul who founded this church and preached for uh, more than two years here in Ephesus. And then they had uh, Timothy, and then finally, after actually after the revelation uh, was uh, given to the Apostle John and his and uh, his exile to Patmos, he he was actually uh, let off that island and continued to pastor this church, and so they had great 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 teaching. Um, they hated the, the the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, uh, among other things, uh, believed that you could experience all of the things in the Ephesian culture. You could, uh, you know, throw incense on the altar to, to get into the uh, Agora. You could take part in the festivals, even, even in the sexual activity, because the things that, that you did in the body were not important. It was the spirit, the inner, the inner being, which was the important part. So they were sort of the compromisers in the church. Uh, here at Ephesus, and and um, Jesus says, I hate those people too, as you do, and you've called them out. Um, so, and so those are some of the good things that that this church had. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of, you know, a lot of Jesus's, you know, words to his disciples were, you know, bewaring of, of false prophets and being aware of, you know, people coming in the name of my name and, 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 and not being, you know, of me, you know, being of, of, of the evil one. And I think that's something that I think, you know, this church probably had on their forefront as remembering, you know, as people of who are eyewitnesses of Christ, uh, remembering who he was and being able to weed out the bad there. And I think, uh, you know, being around Jesus. Just imagine that. I mean, this is the only church that can we can say actually was around, right, the physical Jesus on earth. And I think with that uh, comes a great sense of, uh, I guess, urgency and understanding of this message. And, uh, you know, we here today, right, we, we have to live by faith, you know, and I think, you know, Jesus yeah. says, blessed is the one 
uh, who does not see me yet still believes, you know, and he's talking to Thomas after being uh, risen. And I think, you know, this church didn't necessarily have, you know, they had faith, but it's a, it was a different kind of faith. It was, it was a faith in what they already knew which I think makes it strong. And I think it makes it able to, uh, like, again, weed out the bad uh, of the world and that others coming in the name of, of God. So let's move on a little bit to uh, maybe the bad. What did they fail to do in the end? Because we know we, we look at how well they started. We look at the people that they were able to convert there in the first century. So how, what went wrong with the Ephesus church? Well, well, you know, just following up before we we'll get right to the bad, but just following up on, uh, you know, uh, your point, yes, they they did know. Uh, they um, that this church was the model church. It really mm-hmm. was. And I mean, from mm-hmm. the outside looking in, um, you know, had great teaching, knew knew all of the word, had uh, firsthand knowledge of who Jesus was. But they had some bad things uh, pointed out. But actually, one, and it was glaring, um, because Jesus says here that they had lost their first love. And, and we automatically go there, Pastor. We think, well, gee, they lost their love for Jesus. And, and, and I don't necessarily think that that's, I, I don't necessarily think that that's the case, at least not from the outside looking in. They had lost their love for Jesus because they had lost their love for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus says, uh, John tells us, uh, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit tells us that if we love one another, uh, we uh, are to love our brothers. In fact, Jesus gave the disciples at the Last yeah. Supper a new command that yeah. you love one another. And they, I think that that's what they had. That's what was missing in this church. Um, the love for God manifested in the love uh, for each other. And it's really quite amazing because if you read John's first epistle and you think, again, John was the apostle here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the also the pastor, the elder? Yeah. Um, his first uh, four chapters of First uh, John is all about loving one another and that command. So we love because he first loved us. Yes, but we love one another, and we're mm-hmm. we we um, we build each other up in the body of Christ. And I think sometimes we miss that. We also suffer today. Uh, from this. We say we love Jesus, but we don't manifest that in the love that we have for our fellow humans and especially uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of, you know, Jesus's word, like, like you said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think all the law and the prophets, uh, they held their hat on those, those two commandments there. And I think when you lose when you lose your love for another, you know, in a sense, you have to lose your love for God, right? You can't, you can't say that you love God right. and, and, and forsake your brother, right? I mean, I think those were John's words there in First John. John. So, John um, says you're a liar if yeah, you yeah. forsake your brother. You yes. say you love God and you forsake your brother, you make God, Jesus, to be a liar. So Yes, and the truth is not in you, pretty, is what he says. Pretty strong words. Yes, you know? yes. And I think when the truth is in us, truly in us, we do love one another because we love God, right? And I think I think that's a flow of of the Christian life that we can always remember. You know, when we're living out our life in the church, yeah. living out our life uh, at home, whatever that looks like, and loving God, loving others. Right. 
And this this was philos. This was brother. It's called brotherly love. It's it's mm-hmm. not eros. It's not agape right. love. It's philos love. It's the kind of love that you have for your for your brother. Yes, yes. And I have here, looking at back at the notes here, command to hear, hear what God is saying to the churches, listen to what I'm telling you individually and corporately within yeah. our churches. And that's something that we have to remember that this is, this is something that our church needs to be reminded of, I think, not that, you know, we're doing a poor job of this, but we can never be doing a perfect job of this, right? And I think always reminding ourselves, always being open to hearing the word of God, being humble enough to listen and letting the word speak for us, is something that I think our church can can very much, uh, you know, take from this passage and take from this church, this historical church. Yes, I'm, uh, in studying this, I have loved, I have, I have learned that lesson and um, I, I'm not the most touchy feely guy, you know, all the time. Um, and, uh, I, I do need, I need, I'm, I'm convicted, uh, my own self because, um, you know, I need to show and demonstrate my love for God by loving each, uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I, you know, we, I'd like to also just highlight a couple of other things here before we Absolutely. wrap this up and, um, you know, Jesus uh, told this church also, he said, they, he said, repent, you know, and, and pastor, I don't, I don't think we say that enough in our modern day churches. Um, you know, repent here is the word matineo. Um, It's the Greek word, and it means to consider or reconsider your lifestyle. It's, it's really talking about reflection on how you conduct yourself. And that's exactly what you do. I, I just did that in my own life. And I reflected and I said, I don't, I don't have enough love for my brothers and sisters. I, I need to do better in that area. Right. And that's what, you know, I'm going to ask God to, to give me um, clarity. And, and I'm, first I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask his forgiveness because I have not uh, done according to his word. And then I'm going to ask for clarity and strength in, in conducting my, my life. And, you know, it's, it's to turn around. It's to change your mind. It's, it, it's, a, it's to change your mind because you reflected you know, on what God has to say uh, to us. And I, I, I don't think that we do that enough. Uh, yeah. And but, I think that might be uh, that might be maybe a, a con to our, I guess, grace movement, right? And our grace theology, grace, grace, grace. Yeah. And, you know, of course the, the, the scriptures teach grace. Absolutely. I'm not for a second denying that, but I think sometimes we can lose that repentance because, you know, we know grace covers our sins. We know that our salvation is eternally secure in Christ. But unfortunately, as much as we, 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 we say that we're not doing it, I think we can sometimes abuse that. And I think yeah. when we look at uh, repentance and that, just when I think of repentance, I think of humility, of, of really humbling myself in front of Almighty God and say, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I, I did not live out my, my duty, my marching orders, as you've called me to in this scenario. I repent. I, I give my failures to you. Now change me, Lord. Change me. Yes. And that change is the part of the repentance right there. And right. Um, yeah, again, we're not going to do that perfectly but we're going to really do it. If that makes sense with the power of the Holy spirit. But it's a continual process. And I think sometimes we, we in the grace movement think of it as a one time. I just have, I repented. I, I I confessed to my sin. I, my need for a savior and, and, and I'm done. You're right. And, and I don't think that that's what, that's certainly not the context of the word Montaneo 
uh, here. It's it's more of a continual reflection. I agree. I agree. the The promise and reward is just amazing in this uh-huh. uh, in this passage because yeah. outside of the it's talking about you will have access to the tree of life, mm. the tree of life that was in the original garden of, right. of Eden. And it is the key to eternal life. And you will have access. If you hold on, you repent and you follow my teaching, you will in, you inherit the, the garden, the paradiso of God. Uh, Paradiso is is a sort of a it it would be a walled garden and it would and many of the uh, very rich people in Ephesus would have just like they do today. You know, I have elaborate houses with these great gardens and it was a place where they could go and they hung out with their friends and they had parties and they fellowshiped together it was just that, you know, relaxing, you think of a, of a garden, but the other piece to this is that tree of life is I think in direct contrast to a tree that grew at least according to legend outside of the temple of Artemis. And of course, Artemis was the temple of uh, a goddess of fertility and, and women who wanted to become pregnant would uh, many times go to that tree in in a superstitious type of way and would touch the tree and that was supposed to give them make them you know fertile was right outside this giant tree that was right outside the the goddess the the temple there of artemis which by the way was one of the eight wonders of the eighth ancient world Uh, right right i was thinking about that i I thought that that was a part of that yeah, so yeah. It, was, uh, it, it dwarfed uh, buildings like the Parthenon uh, and, and other um, uh, ancient buildings. It was it was a huge and a very beautiful temple, but it had this great tree, and and you know Jesus says you, you're you're not having access to those things now. You don't have maybe access to the agora. You don't you know you haven't compromised and and taken part in these festivals. Um, but I've got a better thing for you. And what a wonderful picture of the paradise. Um, to be absent from the body is to be mm. present with the Lord. And we will walk with him in his paradise if we go before um, his coming at the rapture. It's And I think, yeah, the, the more we look at this stuff, the more we make the historical connections, the, the cultural connections, and, and even the Old Testament connections, <laughs> You can't tell me there's no God, Jeff. You can't yeah. tell me that that Christ yeah. isn't coming soon. You can't tell me that 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 Christ died for my sins and that my faith in Him gives me a new life and a life to to look forward to, but also a purpose in my life here on earth. And I think that's that's the encouragement that I want to leave with our church uh, and those others who are listening to this podcast right now is the encouragement that all these things point to Christ and, and Christ gave us a purpose for our life. He, he, he died on the cross for our sins. He, he rose again, giving us salvation. And we put our faith in him. Of course, we don't believe that our life will become perfect with a snap of a finger, but we become justified in his sight, right? Made right in the sight of God. And that, that leads to eternal life. And now we do have a purpose. We have gifts and abilities that God will use to glorify, you know, his kingdom. We become ministers of reconciliation and just all these things, uh, and it's going to be the same. I'm probably going to close with the same, 
the same truth after every church, but all of this, when I look at it, it just, it brings me closer to the Lord Jesus. And I think that is what we're called to be doing, Jeff. And uh, any, any last, last words uh, for our church or for encouragement or, or some of the other things that this has taught you in your personal uh, devotion? Well, I think, you know, this uh, study of the garden um, is just, it's a wonderful study to think about. And if you, if you get, I would encourage people to look at that because the paradise paradise today mm -hmm. um with me, jesus paradise. told the the thief on the cross today you will be with me in paradise that's my that's paradiso that that's the garden that's where the tree of life is mm -hmm. and and that's where we commune with jesus uh and and to be absent from our body today is to be present there and it's made it more real for me um, as I studied this passage and others uh, related to this garden paradise, uh, Pastor, I, I, ha I have no fear of death. It, mm -hmm. I almost at this point long for mm -hmm. the rest that I'm going to find in that paradise. Absolutely. It, it brought my, it's brought me into a much closer, yeah. deeper relationship. It's, he, he, is, he is a wonderful Savior. Mm -hmm. Get to know him because he will give you peace and rest and, and just understanding. Um, again, it, it's all about building a relationship with who he is. It is. It is. So I'm going to close in prayer, Jeff, and I look forward to coming again next week and doing our second one on Smyrna. And, all right. Uh, just uh, looking forward to diving back into the scriptures with you and really looking at, again, what the Lord's placed on on your heart, but also looking at the scriptures, what they want to speak for ourselves. And uh, it's really important that we look at that. So I'm going to pray. Father, again, we're so thankful to humbly come before you, looking at uh, just the apostolic church in the past, Father, the churches of the apostles, the church of Ephesus, Father, and looking at, you know, what we can do right in our church and, and pointing out maybe false prophets, standing firm in love, uh, Father, but we can't miss not just our love for you, but we can't miss our love for one another, Father. And I think that is something that you you tell us in your word, that your son, the Lord Jesus, lived out perfectly on this earth. And that's something we can emulate in our workplaces, in our churches, Father, and in our families. Father, we're just so, so thankful that for that relationship that we can have with you, the death and resurrection of your son, the Lord Jesus, that we actually have life and that we are looking forward to being with you in paradise, Father, pardisia, as the word tells us in the Greek. And uh, again, uh, we just can't thank you enough for the relationship, the brotherlyhood, the sisterlyhood that we have through the local church, and that we can look at the past, we can look at history, and not just look at it as old words on, on ancient paper, Father, but we can actually apply that to our own lives and have a relationship again with the author of life. Again, Father, we pray us on your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.